You're now listening to the A Place of Refuge Productive Living Podcast with Bishop Barry D. Walker. A Place of Refuge vision is to cause people to be productive in every aspect of life according to God's Word. For more information, please stop by our website at www.aplaceofrefugechurch.org. Now, here's today's message already in progress. I'm going to give you one definition of flesh based upon the text tonight. The human nature with its frailties or weaknesses. The human nature with its frailties or weaknesses. When we allow people or things to influence us, to do in contrast to the will of God, we are operating in the flesh. Moreover, we are manifesting the weaknesses that are a part of the flesh or human nature. Weaknesses in reference to the flesh can be spiritual, mental, emotional, and I can go on. But there are times to where God tells us to think one way, but we will allow a circumstance to cause us to think in contrast to what does says the written or revealed word. In that moment, you are operating in the flesh. I said, in that moment, you are operating in the flesh. If a person pushes a particular button, it may cause you to cuss him or her out. At that moment, you are without a doubt, operating in the flesh. You are operating in the flesh. And we have to understand that that the flesh is a part of our makeup or is a part of us being a human. So we have to learn how to check or control the flesh. We have to learn how to control or check the flesh. Especially because God has, has uh, created us free moral agents. We have a choice. We have a choice to walk in the spirit or walk in the flesh. 
So we have to make sure that we are careful when it comes to our thoughts, our words, and our deeds. But let's consider just a few things, uh, biblically speaking, in reference to the flesh that pertains to the text. Let's start in John, the sixth chapter, John 6. And 63. Ready? John 6 and 63. It is a spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. Whenever you allow something or somebody to get you to do in contrast to the will of God, it's not going to give you an advantage. It's not going to cause you to be blessed. It's not going to cause good to come your way. Because the flesh profits nothing according to Jesus. It profits nothing. I said it profits nothing. She pushed the button, you cussed her out, and there's no profit in it, no advantage in it. It just made you, as a Christian, call somebody to wonder about your relationship with God. It profits nothing. Let's go further. Let's go to the book of Romans, the eighth chapter. Romans the 8th chapter. We'll start at verse 5. Romans 8, we'll start at verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the what? When you live according to the flesh, you want to hear what's going on more so than in the world, more so than come to church and hear God's word. That's basically what he's saying right here. Look at, look at the verse. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the what? Of the flesh. Yeah. You get more excited about things that are opposed to living holy. Than holy things. But notice you have to set your mind. You have to choose. To do such. But let's go on. Let me start over in verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh. Set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit. The things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded which is synonymous with the flesh, is death, ruin. It leads to ruin. 
being carnally minded or in the flesh leads to what? Death, which is ruin, and that's figuratively speaking. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace because the carnal mind or the flesh is enmity against God. It fights God. Fights the things of God. That, that's the reason I can say things that will actually get you upset with me. Even though what I'm saying is right. Because you're in the flesh. Whoo, Lord have mercy. Notice again, verse 7. Because the corner mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God. Now this is what's mind-boggling. Nor indeed can be. That's when Jesus said it profits what? Nothing. Your flesh will never be subject to God's will. Never. That, that means you're going to always have to put your flesh in check. You can't make your flesh holy. Why? Because the flesh is that which is opposed to God. It is, notice the text again, enmity against him. It's against God. You can't save your flesh. Just like this, this uh, person put out a record saying that they'll, they'll keep singing, teaching, and so forth until the devil gets saved. The devil can't get saved. The devil can't get saved. You know, folks say stuff to make it sound right or to rhyme, but the devil can't get saved. The Bible is clear. Hell was created, especially for the devil and his servants. That's who it was created for. Your flesh can't get saved. You're going to have to always put your flesh, your human nature, in check. And verse 8 goes on to say, So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. That should be the number one reason we, put, we keep the flesh under subjection. Because if there's one person we want to please, it needs to be him. I said, if there's one person you want to please 24-7, it should be God. Why? He done done more for us than anybody. If it be true, look at somebody and say, can't nobody do me like Jesus. Look at another person and say, I say, can't nobody do me like Jesus. Look at one more person and say, nobody but nobody but nobody but nobody can do me like Jesus. But if you're in the flesh, you can't please it. You can't please it. So every time you're in the flesh, when, when you cuss her out at that moment, you was displeasing God. 
when you got in the flesh and then lied, see, I had to say it. I couldn't let it go. I had to say it. No, at that moment, you was displeasing the Lord. That's powerful, isn't it? But it should motivate us to, to do the right thing. Let's go further. Notice verse 12 of Romans 8. And specifically notice uh, as we begin who he's talking to. Therefore, brethren, save folk. Holy Ghost field folk. We are debtors not to the flesh. Look at someone and say, you don't owe the flesh nothing. Again, therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you by the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will what? Live. If you live by the flesh, you're going to what? Die. Bottom line, you have to keep the flesh under subjection or in, in check. Very plain, isn't it? Now, back in Matthew 26 and 41, notice what Jesus said in reference to the flesh. He said, the flesh... Is weak. Is weak. And based upon uh, all that I have showed you, biblically speaking, and uh, the definition I gave you in reference to the flesh, weak refers to being unwilling. The flesh is unwilling to be unwilling is not to have a desire to do something just don't have a desire to do it that's the reason when you do the right thing like fast and pray the, the, the flesh don't like it the biggest battle you have when it comes to praying is, is, is coming from within that don't want you to get down there and do it. Your flesh. That's the biggest battle you have when you get down there to pray. That, that flesh just don't want to stay down there. Flesh be, flesh be pushing you the whole time to get up. And I don't care how spiritual you done told folk you are, it, it, it's going to do it. Even when you keep putting it in subjection, it's still trying to push you to get up. Why? Because it, it, it is unwilling to do what needs to be done. One word that's synonymous with unwilling is reluctant. 
reluctant. The, the root meaning of reluctant is to oppose or to fight against. The flesh fights you while you're praying. Years ago, we used to think it was the devil. And so we put everything on the devil. Man, the devil made me. Y'all remember that? Some of y'all who done been saved, what, 15 plus years, you, you remember when everything, it, it, it wasn't nothing but the devil. Devil be in Texas, but we're going to blame him for what's going on in character. The one thing that is with you all the time is flesh. That's the reason it, it will oppose every move you make. That's that God is telling you to make. It will oppose you. The flesh is right. The devil, can't, the devil is not God. He can't be everywhere at the same time. But your flesh can be with you. At church. On your job. Or wherever you go. You can't go on vacation without your flesh. I'm going to get away. Give me some rest and just relax. Yeah, but I got news for you. The flesh is going with you. And the flesh is going to try to mess up your vacation. You know you can't do that. You be wanting to do something, enjoy yourself, and then the flesh going to tell you what you can't do. The flesh never ceases. And you should never cease. The flesh is reluctant. Again, the root meaning, the flesh opposes, uh, struggles against you, or fights Especially against your spirit. I'm not talking about the Holy Spirit right now. Just your spirit. And I'm going to give you def a definition in reference to the spirit based upon the text. But how many understand that, that the flesh is unwilling? Again, Jesus talked about it being weak. And you can see that it was unwilling because when the Lord, uh, based upon our text, Brought up the subject telling his disciples that it was, it was weak. He had told them, look, I need y'all to pray with me. But when he came to check in to see if they were praying, they were asleep. What was the deal? They was unwilling to do what the Lord told them to do. They were reluctant in fulfilling God's order. His order. What he needed them to do. What he commanded them to do. They were unwilling to do it. They were reluctant. He, he even came back. And said look. Couldn't you just pray with me? Couldn't you just do it? Couldn't you pray with me? And even though he came back. Gave him a word. They still went to sleep. 
The flesh was just unwilling, reluctant. It was fighting what God had told them to do. It was fight. And it won. Woo! Look at your neighbor and say, the flesh wins sometimes. Some of y'all are trying to look like King Jesus. Look at your neighbor and say, you ain't King Jesus. You know the flesh has won. In reference to certain things the Lord told you to do. Instead of you doing that, you did what the flesh said. All of us have been guilty. Don't, don't even act like that. That's the reason we need to understand the flesh. Because I used to pray, Lord, take it away. He ain't, he ain't going to take that away. That's part of your human nature. That's part of it. It's going to be that. You're going to always feel that you want to say something to somebody getting smart with you. You're going to want to get in the flesh. You're gonna, that feeling going to be that. That, that feeling to want the fast to be over going to be that. That's the flesh. Fasting for God is a good thing, but that flesh is going to be there, and it's bigger than hunger. Because sometimes when you start, you don't even be hungry, but the flesh is going to bring up pork chop and rice, meatloaf and potatoes. Yeah. have to understand that the flesh is weak unwilling or reluctant but then he he also told him in the same low sentence indeed the spirit the pneuma is willing, is ready, is prepared, is ready to go. And see, he, he was not talking about the Holy Spirit here with his disciples. Because we know according to Acts chapter 2, that that's when they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He was talking about their human spirit. The God conscious part of a person. The part of you that makes you aware of right, wrong, but especially of God. That, that part of you when, you when you were a sinner and you, you were about high, but, but, but that, that part of you said, you don't, told you you don't need to go that way. 
And you, you tell folk, even though you're a little high, or maybe a whole lot high, something told me not to go that way. And I obeyed that voice too. How many remember something like that? That's that gunch, that's that God conscious part of every human being. Everybody has it. To where you are aware of the creator. Even folks that say they don't believe in God. Uh-huh. Yeah, but he done, he done talked to you. He done dealt with you. Because that's who he, he is. The God conscious part of you. The root meaning of spirit is one word. Breath. Or to breathe. And see, well, matter of fact, I'm going to take you there. And then I'm going to deal with it. Go with me to Genesis chapter 2. Root meaning of spirit is breath. Or to breathe. And see, I'm going to give you a, a verse, Genesis 2 and 7. So you'll better understand why breath in you is the God conscious part of you. Or the spirit in you is your God is God is your God conscious part. Genesis 2 and 7. You ready? Let's read it on 2. 1, 2. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the what? And into his nostrils the breath of what? And man became what? See, God made sure he put a part of him in you in order for you to live, have existence, be animated. He breathed into you, and that's your God conscious part. Now, what he breathed in you, breath, you can't see it. That's where we get spirit. But he put a part of him in every human being. So they would be conscious of him. Now, of course, the enemy, according to scripture, and I'm not going there, but, but the enemy would try to blind folk and try to make them think that God either does not exist or, try, or to try to make them uh, not think, believe in reference to the realness of God. But every person has spirit in him or her. Therefore, every person has the capacity to be aware of the creator. Every person. Saved or self. I'm going to tell you all something. When I, when I 
really heard the voice of God as a sinner, I was high. I was, I'm, I'm telling you, I was high. And uh, it was just as clear to me that that was God to where I had to utter it in front of my friends. I said, man, God just told me I need to be saved. And I was high. But I knew that, I knew that was God. I knew enough about his voice. And that's God right there telling me I need to be saved. And see, folks had witnessed to me, told me about salvation. But you know, the Bible says that one will see, one will water, but here come God going to give what? The increase. And folks had been witnessing to me, but, but, but when I heard that voice, you need to get, I said, that's God right there. And I told them, and they said, man, we don't want to hear about no God in him, we getting high. We don't want to hear about no God in him. We're getting high because he might send some lightning and strike, <laughs> strike us down. But it wasn't long after that that I got saved. God will deal with you. How many know what I'm talking about? You'll be at the gambling table and God will start talking to you. Yeah. But notice what he tells them. He says, the spirit, indeed, is willing. The spirit is prepared. But now it was going to be their choice. Because remember he said, couldn't you pray with me? Couldn't you pray with me? What's the implication? It was their choice. It was their choice. You have to choose to serve God based upon your consciousness of him. You hear me? You have to choose to serve God based upon your consciousness of him. Don't ever try to make somebody get saved. They ain't going to stay saved. Years ago, uh, it, in the holiness church, we used to bring folk to the altar. You need to go down here so you can get, and folk be bringing them to the altar. And they go through the formality, but, but and just pretend like they, something might happen. But it, it wasn't real because it, it was not them that wanted to be saved. It was the person that brought them down. That wanted them to be saved. Salvation is personal. You have to receive him as Savior and Lord. Even folks, when something tragic happens and because of the tragedy, they come and get saved. That may not even last. Because they did it for the wrong reason. But when you recognize that he is Savior and Lord and give your life to him, that's when you live for him. That's when you sell out for him. So you have to, you have to choose to serve him 
based upon your spirit or your awareness of him. I need to show you something. Lord of mercy. Let me see if I can, I think I can find it. Let, let's go to the book of Romans. Lord have mercy. Let's go to the book of Romans. I'm getting ready to close it. Y'all, y'all stay with me though. The book of Romans. I think I want to go to chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. Let's see. Yeah, Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, verse 9. Notice what Paul said to the, to the saints. For God is my witness, whom I serve. Notice. With my spirit in the gospel of his son. It was how he served him with his, his spirit. To serve is to submit to, to yield to, to be obedient to. Paul did with his spirit what Peter and the other disciples in Matthew 26 didn't do. Jesus wanted them to serve with their spirit by, by praying or touching and agreeing with him. They didn't do it. But notice Paul said, I serve him in my spirit through what? The gospel. Notice again, for God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son. He served him with his, his spirit. His God consciousness. And, and, and sometimes God can, can send you a word, but if you, you are so in your flesh, you may not even be willing to submit to what he's telling you to do. God can send a hard word to you, and, and if you're in your flesh, the only thing you're going to do is get mad about it. But if you are, are God-conscious, operating in your spirit, in your God-consciousness, and God send a hard word, you're going to be like, man, I need to repent, get myself together. You're going to serve him, but you're going to serve him in your spirit. And not oppose him in the flesh. How many understand it? All right. Uh, one last scripture. Let's go to the book of uh, Proverbs. I'm closing with this. Proverbs. Proverbs 18 is where I want to go. Proverbs 18th chapter. And uh, remember, a proverb reveals truth. Right? A proverb reveals truth. And truth will what? Make you free. That's what it does. It makes you free. Notice this proverb. Proverbs 18 14 in reference to the Spirit. And keep in mind, Matthew 26 and 40. 41, indeed, the spirit is what? Willing. Notice this. 
Proverbs 18, 14. The spirit of a man will what? And what? Look at your neighbor and say, the spirit of a human is powerful. It can sustain you or keep you from falling when you're being attacked by sickness. That, that's the reason, scientifically speaking, doctors and others have found out that a person that's not willing to live will die. He'll die. But if you know in your spirit that it's not your time, you ain't going nowhere. If in your God consciousness or your awareness that it's not your time to go, guess what? You ain't going nowhere. As long as you stay in the spirit. Woo, I, I knew I, I held this little verse right here for last. I wanted to make sure. How many, how many are looking at it? You probably haven't read that latter part about a broken spirit. I'm not even going to deal with that part. I just want you to understand the first clause of this verse. Let me read it one more time and deal with it a little bit more. The spirit of a man will. And what? You're going through sickness, but it's, it's your spirit that's keeping you going. It's the thing that's keeping you going. Say to your neighbor one more time, your spirit, your spirit. is powerful. powerful. It has the capacity to keep you moving forward even though the flesh is trying to push you backwards. So how many understand uh, the significance of, of knowing that the flesh is unwilling but the spirit is we understand? I'm done. Let's go.